So Kaylee and I talked about it, and we decided the best place to start this episode is with a little trigger warning. For some of our listeners, this this episode could be a little bit aggressive. We do discuss self-harm as well as suicide, which Kaylee and I will likely refer to as 1144 because that's our favorite way of, of talking about it. But we just want to make sure that people are aware and that people are kind of ready for us to talk about it. Um, but I guess I should also say that it's kind of a spoiler alert, but it's too late now. <laughs> I was thinking spoiler, but if you haven't watched it, why are you here? That's true. But um, here's the thing. We get into a very... Look, we just came out of the holidays, right? And It's a Wonderful Life is playing on many, many channels during the holidays. And George Bailey, at one point in his life in that movie, thinks, mm, I'm worth more dead, or my family's better off with me gone. And it's simply not true. Not for him, not for anybody. Please don't think it. Please seek help. There, There's a, a lot of resources. We've named them before. We'll put them in the show notes. I'm sorry I don't have them in front of me at the moment. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just want to say... Don't go there. Please seek help because you matter. And um, I think that's that's where we land in this episode too. Yes. And I think it's I think it comes out the other side of this possibly triggering issue in a very in a very nice way. So yeah, I definitely agree, Kay. If you are feeling that way, I don't want to invalidate your feelings, but I just want to tell you that like that's that's not the truth, and you can ask anybody and everybody around you. Uh, much like Sean says later, and I'm sure you will get the truth. True story. Yes, you can um, call 988. That's um, SMS 988 uh, as the lifeline, the suicide and crisis lifeline. Um, it's 24-7. You can chat and text. Please seek help. Yes. And also there is 741-741. You can text BRAVE. It's the crisis text line at 741-741. So now that we've discussed that... Shall we start the show? Showtime. This is... To To the the Blueberry! I am Alexis and I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee and I'm a real-life Sean. And we are here today to discuss our favorite show, Psych. Psych. We decided a while ago that we were going to start this podcast to rewatch our favorite show together because when the show aired, that's what Kaylee and I did. Uh, there were times <laughs> where we were in completely different cities, but we would still either hop on the phone or start texting one another either during or right after the episodes when they aired because like it was such a big deal to us then. Um, and now that like streaming is a thing, it can be a big deal to us again. <laughs> I love this for us. <laughs> we are rewatching season three, episode three, Daredevils. Well, I'm sorry, Daredevils. There's two exclamation points after it. Oh, I think mine only had one, oh. but I, I fully support the Fortissimo. Yes. Um, Good work. <laughs> we start, as we so often do, in 1987, and there are children chanting Sean, Sean's Sean, name. Sean, 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 Sean. And we have, a, we have a nerdy scaredy cat, and it's not Gus, and I'm very upset. So, in the credits, he is credited as not Gus. <laughs> oh my god. So, they just didn't have um, a Gus, they just subbed in some kid. Yeah. That, they, <laughs> Sean can have other kids in his class, so it's just I guess. not Gus. The little scaredy cat is standing at the end of a ramp, and he's going, Sean, I've done the math, this is not gonna work. He sounds like Gus. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sean is in a cape um, and a Santa Barbara Police Department like riot helmet. I wrote riot gear. Yes. <laughs> what, Sean? He is on his bike and ready to ride this ramp and jump, not Gus. Yeah, and as he gets closer and closer, he's pedaling with all his might and the kids going into the walkie. Abort! Abort! I don't know if Chariots of Fire is actually playing in the background or if my But that's what my, my brain, brain supplies yep. when I remember it, yeah. <laughs> as Sean is about to reach the bottom of the ramp to head over this kid's head, Henry catches him. Oh, he just scoops him off the bike and the bike goes up the ramp and goes flying and the kid has to duck and roll to get out of the bike's path, I swear. Little baby Sean goes, Dad, you ruined everything. All the kids have scattered. Apparently all of those kids that are no longer there wanted to see him do it. And Henry embarked his beautiful Henry wisdom. They came out here to see you crack your head open. Which basically makes you no different than the kid in class who can shoot milk out of his eye. You think I can be as popular as him? So beautiful. Henry just gets the most hopeless look on his face, heavy sigh, and walks away. And Sean kind of wistfully looks into the distance and smiles, like, with intent. (laughs) That, like, childhood wonder of Sean in this scene, like, can I be that popular? Like, Henry was trying to make that a negative thing. And his beauty was just like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, the class cut up that like does weird stuff. The kid making the fart noises under his arm or what, whatever the thing is. Like, yeah, he gets the attention, but what does it actually mean? Right. And I think that's where Henry is going. As we head into present day, I have a, I have a concern about this series, this beginning of the series that I want to address with you, Kaylee. Okay. We see the outside of the arena, and there is a giant sign that says, Dutch the Clutch. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we get inside, a little while into it, when they finally announce Dutch the Clutch, they're excited about it. They're like, oh, well, Sean is excited about it. Like, they didn't know it was there or that he was going to be there. And I'm like, dude, there was a huge sign outside in, in, you know, bold perfect font that said Dutch the Clutch. Yeah, so I think that may have been put in post. Um, <laughs> because, and we see on the front, it's at, where are we? Buchanan Stadium. And I just wrote the, it's the stadium rock music cue. The announcer says today only, or the, the front of it says today only sold out Dutch the Clutch. And then a little bit later, we get the announcer say, your opening act. He's not headlining? No. And then <laughs> okay. And then he's back at the arena again later. It's not today only. But it's a different trick? Is that the same arena? Do we see the sign for the arena at the end? Because mm. it is an arena, maybe but this not. is a stadium. So maybe it's like, I don't know, is it like hockey versus basketball? Oh, I something? guess they're I at a carnival here and they're at an arena at the other place. So maybe this is like a civic center or something nearby the field? Yeah. I don't know. It's, we don't know. We're all speculating. It's very confusing. But don't worry, because we get a churro (laughs) reference. Gus is very upset that Sean has taken these tickets to the carnival or to a quote-unquote tractor pool instead of taking payment for the case. And Sean said, clearly, you are unaware that churros, I said that really badly, churros, churros, have more nutrients than carrots. 12 more of these bad boys, and I've got my RDA of riboflavin. <laughs> Take a B vitamin tablet, Sean. Don't eat 12 churros. 
Sean was like, I could have either taken these tickets or the Carnies could have given me payment in the form of tickets to the Tilt-A-Whirl. 20 free rides on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Which we know you can't do, Gus. You know I have early onset vertigo, Sean. Is vertigo an age-based problem? No. Early onset? No. <laughs> early onset vertigo, Gus? I do not believe that is a thing. Ooh, okay. So Sean says, the good news is Wolfboy and his gold teeth have been reunited. <laughs> I missed that Which, one. Which, okay, carnies or circus folk, Sean? Wolfboy? They're so pumped about Dutch the Clutch. Well, Sean's so pumped about Dutch the Clutch, and Gus doesn't really, like, know who he is. And he was like, what? He was on That's Incredible once when we were kids, and he jumped Springfield Gorge. That was Homer Simpson. So That's Incredible was a television show from their childhood. Huh. And uh, Springfield Gorge was, in fact, Homer Simpson, not Dutch the Clutch. So we get a nice Simpsons reference. Dutch is going to jump through a ring of fire, but this time, for the first time ever, he is going to do it without... Sight. He's blindfolded. And we see that his bike's name is Vicky. We get some weird close-ups of his jumpsuit and whatnot. And the jump starts. Yeah, so he's going down a ramp and then up a ramp and then through the fire and then down another ramp. So that's what we're doing. As he's headed up the ramp, Sean sees that there is gas coming from the fuel line of the bike midair. So as soon as he's passing through the ring of fire, there's a bike explosion. Dutch is in flames and rolls down the ramp. His bike and his rolls down the goes ramp goes off well. and crashes. Yeah. It's a little bit hairy. Everybody goes dead silent. And then Dutch shakes off the EMTs, puts his hands up and is like, woohoo! Woohoo! He does that Gus so many says, times and I love it. I, I called it screaming like I, a banshee. I I wanted it to be yeehaw, but it didn't. It wasn't. I think we get a yeehaw later, though. Maybe. Yeah. And then, well, here Gus said, that was insane. No, that was attempted murder. Punctuated by a churro monch. Of course. This is at <laughs> least our, like, fourth churro reference, if not our third one. Oh, I was, if not our third. This is at I least our third like, one, if not our fourth one. Honestly, I think we might be up to five or six. They're just like peppered in. Yeah, it is a but at least weird, we see the churro this time. reoccurring joke, but it's a good one. Well, churros and jerk chicken. Yeah, <laughs> they have a little walk and talk. Oh well, that's our opening credits. We had and on a the walk and talk at the carnival with Sean and Gus, and Sean is like bragging about how he's kind of a daredevil. He's like, "Oh, he and I are cut from the same cloth. We ignore the tiny voice in our head that tells us not to do stuff." And Gus said. Do you have it? I have it. it. The tiny voice in my head is telling me there's a reason I'm the only black person here. (laughs) Gus picks up a ball that has like fallen and takes a shot as the only black person in the carnival, which is very stereotypical of maybe me or the show or maybe both, and completely misses. I said Gus is bad at balling. (laughs) And then he's like, dude, tell me the last time that you repaired your bike. Yeah, because Sean was like, yeah, we're both like motorcycle guys. What was the last repair you did to your bike? Does adding (laughs) a sticker count? But Sean says someone sabotaged that bike, sabotaged that trick. The fuel line. As they are walking past the little basketball hoop, we see our... Did you not get a pineapple there? I didn't get a pineapple <gasps> there. So there... I was I was completely out of it this episode. I didn't see any. I wasn't looking for them. I don't know what my problem was. There was a guy with an inflatable palm tree standing by them. 
and hanging from the inflatable palm tree was a pineapple. Now, for the record, pineapples do not grow on palm trees, nor do they, nor do they grow on trees at all. Nope. But it was still pretty legit. Like, I would, <laughs> I would like that. Sean is pretty sure that the killer is going to try again and thinks that this might be a handy time for them to try to get a job. So they walk up and introduce themselves to the bouncer. And he doesn't care that Sean is a police psychic, amateur daredevil, denture wearer, and strawberry crepe enthusiast. You're not on the list. Oh, list? Dude, they're about to start racing ocelots in a half hour. There's no way you have a velvet rope here. They try to tell him that Dutch is in danger, that something happened. He believes it was sabotage. And Lewis, the son of Dutch the Clutch, grabs the guys and is like, here, come talk to me. I, had, I just had the weirdest thing. <laughs> I think his name should have been Butch, and it should have been an improper rhyme. I'll Butch the Clutch? <laughs> yeah, because when you see it written, it looks like it fits. And and when you hear it, you want to say Butch the Clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Ignore. Your brain works in wonderful ways, Kaylee. I love it. <laughs> Gus introduces them and said he's a psychic and that's why we know that the stunt has been tampered with and lewis is like yeah there's some weird stuff going on his last he's not so sure about psychics but you're on the right track yeah definitely the last two stunts something went wrong all right yeah he's like weird stuff sean says we're in the business of weird he's willing to hire them but money is tight right now sean wants a or i'm sorry gus wants a two thousand dollar retainer and sean wants Dutch's autograph <laughs> and sean said dude i will knee punch you then he gus dares him does <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lewis actually drops that last month they had to share the bill with a Terry the Hiccuping Terrier. Mm-hmm. Who Gus who knows. Gus... <laughs> but Gus doesn't know who Dutch the Clutch is. Come on, man. He's still hiccuping? He's been hiccuping for nine years, Sean. It is a canine record. Lou's like, come on. I call him Lou in my notes. Okay. So I might call him Lou as we go. Lou's like, hey... Um, we have an after party. Why don't we go there? We'll work something out. We head on over to the SBPD and Jules is talking to Lassiter who just had a date on Friday night. Um, she's asking how it went. He said, well, we ordered the crab cakes. She went to the restroom and she didn't come back. My heart breaks for Lassie. Well, for he's just, being real flippant. For just a second. Yeah. <laughs> and Before Jules says... You told her the dead clown story, didn't you? It's funny. Please don't tell me you drew a diagram of the bullet holes. Well, there were crayons on the table. You took her to a restaurant that had crayons on the table? <laughs> Look, I'm fine. Thanks for your concern, but I'm fine. Interrogation room A, right? <laughs> that was Kaylee and Alexis's Lassiter and Juliet. <laughs> they head back to the party, the after party. It's on this, like, porch. I call it a porch party. It is a porch party. Yeah. It's kind of a cookout. Uh, everyone's loud. They're playing the Allman Brothers. There's an agent talking on his, well, screaming into his cell phone, saying that Dutch doesn't even get out of bed for less than 2K. Sean, Sean's trying to, like, smooth things over. And he goes, you know, the Allman Brothers generally tend to inhibit my psychic powers. So why don't you just tell me? Is there anybody who would like to see your dad bite the bullet? Um, every fan who buys a ticket to the show. But in general, everybody loves him. 
everyone loves Dutch. Everyone loves being around him. They just like to see him being a daredevil. Yeah, it's like his circle is airtight. The fans come. They want to see action, explosions, crashes, blah, blah. At this point, Lewis is handing the boys pints of beer, which they are not at all interested in, sniffing like they, yeah. they don't know what they are. Gus just like immediately pushes it away. Sean picks it up and sniffs it and then puts it back. <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of that was, but I found it kind of funny. But Lewis is saying that his dad is never going to retire. Like he's never going to get out of the spotlight. He loves the applause too much. And he kind of thinks he's unkillable. Lou decides that uh, he's got a cover story. Everything is good. He takes the boys up to Dutch and said, Pops, here are the two diehards you asked for. What, already? Actually, I'm diehard. He's dieharder. We have two other guys in our crew, but they aren't nearly as good as us. And that was Alexis being Sean and making diehard references. (laughs) I watched that the first time. And I caught the die hard, die harder part, but I didn't understand the two other guys in the crew. I was like, what? Die more harder? What? And then I realized that they were talking about the other two die hard movies. There have since been more and they are even worse somehow. (laughs) We get some back and forth with Dutch and the boys and then he's like all happy and he bangs his wrist on like his hand on the table and breaks his wrist. And at that point I wrote really big red flag. Yeah. Your bones are breaking that easy, bruh. Um, how is nobody around you picking up cues? We do end up meeting Vicky and Vicky, his wife, who he names his bikes after. Um, and she is like, hey, I just want you guys to keep my Dutch safe. Um, and Dutch is like, hey, what's the most dangerous thing you guys have ever done? And Sean said, we eat at Taco John's with some frequency and that puts us right there on the edge. <laughs> I want to say here. Vicky is played by Wednesday Adams' nemesis from the sequel movie Adams Family Values. Oh. Starring um, Cusack, Joan Cusack. Oh. The one where they go to camp. Mm-hmm. Vicky is the little blonde girl at camp. As long as we're talking about who our guest stars are, uh, Dutch the Clutch is played by a character who you probably don't know, but when you see him, you're like, um, because he's a pretty good character actor. He's done a lot of like one one off spots on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but he he plays this part very very well. Yeah, and he's got like these striking blue eyes, and he feels like somebody, especially coming from where we come from, that we could know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's someone's uncle. <laughs> Gus said, "Hey man, I think you might have a concussion." I had a concussion since 1982. True story. True story. Does anybody else's beer taste like metal? (laughs) And then this ad pops up on the TV for El Diablo. El Diablo is this unknown daredevil who is right on Dutch's tails. But because no one knows him because he always wears a mask. With little teensy horns on it. It's very cute. I should have thought what he was going for, but I thought it was cute. The daredevil's adorable, yeah. honey. So the agent runs over. We learn his name is Manny. He's Manny the agent. He runs oh, over. Oh, I called goes, him Manny the manager. Oh, oh, cute. So he runs over and he says, "Dutch, I got you that canyon jump in September." And they like high five or shake hands or something. And then Dutch realizes he still has a broken wrist. It's really, it's rough. Lou wants him to take a break. Vicky wants him to take a break so that they can go to Dollywood. Take that vacation to Dollywood and Manny's like, dude, explosions, crashes, that's what the people want to see. Viewers, butts in seats, tickets sold. I can even get you some TV stuff and not that infomercial for, what was the infomercial for? 
Did you remember? Uh, Stomach Pump. Yeah, one of those real shows for rain delays. Dutch is pumped about this new gig and he's like, Who give me $200 to hop off this porch? He's like, to take a fall. <laughs> so he stands on the edge of the porch and people start literally bidding for him to jump. We get to 650. He falls backwards. He lands in trash. He screams, Clint Campbell rocks! Oh man, I spilled my beer! We pan back to Sean and Gus, and Sean's like, it might be harder to keep this guy alive than we thought. <laughs> back at the SBPD, Julia is in Chief's office because she's been called there, and Chief says, why am I getting a complaint from my head detective? This is the third one this month. Juliet's like, I think he might be having some dating problems. I think he might be having some personal issues. He's really trying, but it's not really working. So he's kind of, you know, on edge or something. Chief tells this very strange story about how when she was in Vice, she had this alcoholic partner. And one night she went over to his house, handcuffed him to a radiator, and forced him to dry out. And once he was sober, she gave him a choice. Rehab or chew his arm off for freedom. He chose rehab. Is that a true story? <laughs> yeah. Or an old policewoman rerun I saw recently. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The point is, sometimes it comes down to the partners to set them straight. Joliet, like, is confused, but she leaves the office and she runs into... Buzz McNabb. Aww. He has a message for her and he can tell that something's up and he's like, hey, what's wrong? I can't be sure, but I think the chief just ordered me to find Lassiter a girlfriend. Bum, bum, bum. McNabb just sort of goes, good luck. <laughs> I love Buzz. He's, he's in this episode a good bit. Yes. I love which Buzz. Which we need because. Better. But. Yes. <laughs> we need more Buzz because we don't get Henry. Spoiler alert. Did we not get any Henry? Only that flashback. <gasps> You're at right. the beginning, Which is weird because dad stuff comes up, but right. eh, we'll get into it. We're at the psych office with Sean and Gus and Lewis told Gus that. Dutch does not have a will because, quote, apparently invincible people don't need them. Sean says, um, here, sign these. And they are stacks on stacks of forms that need to be filled out for the boys to be the diehards. Sean, what is this? They release employer from all liability. And then he just starts listing terrible ways to die. Oh, I love them. Torn to shreds. Accidentally chewed to death by a malfunctioning robot. Deboned. Killed and re-killed. How is that even possible? <laughs> and we get a Gus Don't Be. Gus Don't Be an old sponge with a hair hanging off of it. He says, trust me and be cool. Mime to death. Clearly that's a typo when it was supposed to be maimed. What are we going to do? Get killed by Mar Marcel Marceau? Marcel Marceau is dead. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sean is on this like hunch that it might be El Diablo. They're like, he's sus. He's always in town the day after Dutch. The motive could be, you know, they're competing for the same gigs. And he was actually playing the carnival the night before Dutch did, which means when he performed, Dutch's crew would have been there prepping for their night of performance. As a fellow daredevil, he would know exactly how to sabotage a trick. Sorry, I had to put that in there. I just, Gus says it the most in this episode, and I wrote it down so much. <laughs> Sean's got a plan to find El Diablo. He said, huh? about checking out some old antique motorcycles we go to the motorcycle show i love this part 
So Sean says, ugh, they call this a motorcycle show? There's barely four bikes here. They don't even have the bike from Blue Thunder. That's a helicopter, Sean. Oh, that's right. I meant Blue Lagoon. I don't think they had a motorcycle in Blue Lagoon. Then how did they get off the island, Gus? Oh my gosh. Everything about that. <laughs> Everything about that. So El Diablo better known as Ed in my notes. El Diablo is signing autographs and the boys roll up hot. They're like, hey man, I'm Sean Spencer. This is my partner, Squirts McIntosh. And Gus literally bows. <laughs> He's like, I'm just taking it. As soon as they say, we just have a couple questions for you, El Diablo is just like revving up his bike and running. He's running. Dude, he's running. International sign of guilt. I wrote, uh, we run to a motorcycle that has a sidecar, and then we immediately fail. Um, <laughs> yes. But Sean says, dude, this is just like High Road to China. Okay. El Diablo is on his bike, driving away. Nope one. Nope two. They run to the bike with the sidecar, and they argue about who's sitting in the sidecar. Point three, they take the time to literally put on, like, these old-timey costumes. Like... Sean puts on a, a jacket and some goggles and a helmet, the, and, and Gus puts on a helmet and goggles, and then they take off. There, I'm sorry, but there is no way that Sean would be able to catch up with El Diablo if he had already gone after all of that nonsense. Before we move forward with our chase, Blue Thunder was a movie starring a helicopter <laughs> <laughs> and the guy from Jaws, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Blue Lagoon. Stars a very young Brooke Shields with very enviable hair. And they're like and, naked in that movie, right? Um, A lot of times because they're children who grow up alone on an island. That's what I thought. Okay. Very sexually charged. Anyway, then we get High Road to China, which stars Tom Selleck. And it's set in 1920s. He's like a boozy sub pilot and it's the whole thing. So Sean and Gus finally in their costumes because Rode is not doing his own stunts, y'all. Oh, no, no. He's done now. <laughs> It's very obvious um, when, you, when you're looking for it and you see who's driving that motorcycle, you're like, <laughs> that is not James Rudy Rudy. Sean takes off in the motorcycle, but the sidecar stays put. And then we get a bike chase. There's one point where it looks like something might be going on with El Diablo's bike. So Sean gets ahead of him. And then when he passes, when El Diablo's going over a bridge, Sean gets in his way at the bottom of the bridge. And then there's a swerve and a crash. El Diablo burns out and then he he kind of flies off of his bike. Sean runs up to him, rips off his mask. By the way, I spelled rips here with a W because it's wrapping <laughs> in the first season. He rips off his mask and it's Lewis. Enter Gus. Slowly, on a child's mini motorbike. <laughs> Such a cute little Gus on a motorbike. <laughs> and Sean says, that is the sexiest thing I have ever seen. Gus rips off his helmet and says, shut up, Sean. <laughs> Looks at Lewis and said, you're guilty of attempted patricide. Yeah, and trying to kill your dad. So I'm not trying to be a Sean here, but from context <laughs> clues, I'm assuming patricide means trying to kill your dad. Yes, it means murder of one's father, patricide. Go. See? <laughs> stanchions um lou straight up denies it he's like nope nope why would i hire a detective if i was the one trying to kill him what kind, yeah, of, what psychic kind of psychic are you are you sean says i'm the kind who loves bees and historical novels and knows a lie when i hear one we find out that lewis has not told his dad dutch the clutch that he is el diablo dutch forbade him forbade him forbid forbade him, forbade him from becoming a daredevil because he does not want him to get hurt. Do you know what it's like to have your dad tell you not to follow in his footsteps? Whew, I wish. 
we see that Sean notices that underneath the red and yellow paint of El Diablo, that bike sex is Vicky. And he has a psych out and he screams a bunch of things. It's like, color on your hands, color on the bike, my father, my daughter, my sister, my father, the hero. Which is another movie. Doesn't that one star Catherine Heigl and Gerard Depardieu? Think it does. Anyway, moving on. He did not steal the bike. He borrowed the bike from dad. Manny got them this painted. new sponsor who offered him a new bike. They said it was safer, and so he decided to use it. That left that bike for Lewis to borrow and paint. He said, I was just going to, you know, wait until I got some heat as El Diablo and dad would take it seriously, and then I could tell him it was me and that I want to follow in his footsteps. I just want to make him understand that this is who I am. I had no choice in the matter. Sean and Gus agree to keep his secrets. We get a brief walk and talk, and the boys are discussing how Manny, the agent, is kind of sus. We remember him saying at the after party that the explosions and the wrecks and the danger, it really gets butts in the seats. So we're like, maybe he's not trying to kill Dutch. He's just trying to sabotage the tricks to make them more dangerous. And so we're kind of looking into him a little bit because if he amps it up, he thinks he'll get more money because he gets a percentage, right? We get a lot of back and forth of which in turn means, which in turn means, and Gus uses the phrase pizzazz um, when he's talking about Manny sprinkling a little spice on the stunts. And Sean ends the scene with, which in turn begs the question, why you use the word pizzazz? But then we go to the SBPD. At the Santa Barbara Police Department, Sean and Gus enter to see Juliet kind of lurking at the women in the department. I just wrote, she gets caught by the gents. <laughs> That's, that was succinct and beautiful. She tells <laughs> the boys that uh, Vic told her to find Lassiter a date. She said she narrowed it down to three prospective candidates. And Sean says, um, why? <laughs> I'm sensing it would be easier to get a stranger to go out with him than someone who works with him. Or knows him. Or has ever met him ever in their life. Or has ever had a conversation with him. <laughs> or who he hasn't shot. Are we also locked into the same species? <laughs> they ask Juliet for a background check on Manny, the manager, Robinson. Well, she knows him from get-rich-quick schemes that have happened in the past. And then is like, um, why are you guys doing this? Are daredevils even still around? Yeah, she kind of giggles. She's like, oh my god, is that still a thing? Yeah, why do people care? And they're like, <clears throat> please watch. Allow me, Gus says. Gus lines up two office chairs, walks calmly down the hallway a bit, takes a running leap and clears them. Beautifully notated by a, wait for it, wait for me. But it doesn't stop here. Apparently, things just keep escalating. Because as we phase it into the next scene, we watch six office chairs lined up with Buzz getting ready to jump them all. And again, I'm hearing chariots of fire in my head. Don't know if it really I know it wasn't in the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there is a music cue. A little bit of math here. Um, that... Six office chairs lined up is easily somewhere between nine and ten feet. So this is a pretty significant Oof. jump, including like a two-foot height radius. A two-foot height jump. our boy McNabb is lanky. But so. he's flying. Yeah, he takes a running leap, and it's slow motion. Everybody's watching. Gus comes out right to the middle of the room to watch, and like, 
almost starts to applaud, and then he doesn't quite clear them. Crashes on that very last chair. He goes, and then he kind of tumbles. <laughs> he goes down, but he gets up, and he's like, "I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay." But everybody just sort of like goes back about their business, except for Sean, who looks at Juliet and said, "Need any more proof?" <laughs> no, no, no. I think I got it. We are now in the blueberry, and we're headed back to I don't know. I just called it like base camp. Yeah, they're looking for Manny, the manager. Anyway, they say, well, I'm pretty sure Dutch is safe until showtime. He's not going to try and kill the guy when nobody's watching. And he's probably not trying to kill him anyway. You know, he just wants to amp up the spectacle. They're pretty sure he is going to be safe until tomorrow when he has his next stunt. Cue exploding car. (laughs) Dutch kind of rolls out of the car and he's screaming like he's having a little bit of a hearing issue, but no other problems from the explosion. The boys are like, should we call the police? Should we call the ambulance? And he says, what for? I've done this stunt 20 times before. This was just a rehearsal. I've done that stunt a thousand times. That was just a rehearsal. Now it's your turn. (laughs) So they give the the boys these nifty coveralls. I called them blue and white jumpsuits. Oh, I thought one was blue and one was red. I called them blue and red jumpsuits. Oh, no. So they put on these little suits and they're like, do-do-do. And they go... Now, this one's going to be easy for the stunt test. Y'all just stand right here. The boys are in this baby pool, which you think might be water. And they're doing like this little, like they're doing little stretches or little like ballerina dances in it. I think the pool is water. Okay. It would be questionable if it was not. Right. Okay. So Red hands them these. Red, who is one of the... Dutch is like uh, right hand man, right hand man, right hand man. Yeah, one of their tech safety guys. He's like, I think you should put on these masks. And the boys are like, why? And they start spraying them with gasoline. And they freak out. Mostly when uh, the flamethrower goes up in flames. How else are we supposed to test the fire retardant suits? You didn't know these were fire retardant before you put them on us? <laughs> so. We're starting to get into a kerfuffle about the boys testing a stunt when many people run up. Dutch is there, Manny runs up, and he's like, so excited. He got him a last-minute job because El Diablo was run off the road by a rabid fan at the motorcycle show and hurt his shoulder. So he can't do the death drop is what they call it. The clock tower death drop stunt. (laughs) Red said, all right, we just gotta, we just gotta drop these boys off the tower real soon. No, there's no time to rehearse. The time was already set. We're just filling in. We gotta get there and do it immediately from Manny. Everyone's kind of telling Dutch, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. And Dutch said, one time I bungee jumped off a building twice as high as that tower. And even though the bungee cord snapped on the way down, I still made it to the George Thurgood concert that night. True story. They get in. We go over, we're up the clock tower for the death drop. It's going to happen live on camera for the interwebs. And we get a guy in a coverall helping prep Dutch in his suit. And he turns his back on us. And Sean's looking over going, you see what I see, man? And Gus goes, yeah, suddenly I really need coffee. Everything about this scene. Everything about this scene. The product placement. Okay, so the guy who turned his back on us has a Dunkin' Donuts Sponsor patch on the back, which, you know, a person in Dutch's line of work could be sponsored, but so could this show. Okay, here's the fun fact that Amazon told me. There were no Dunkin' Donuts in California in 2008. 
So Sean, Sean said, I'm sorry, Gus said that he often stops there on his extended route, but that would be completely impossible. <laughs> and then Sean says, oh man, now I need a blueberry crumb. It's totally triggered my donut launch sequence. <laughs> so not only are there no Dunkins in California, but we're filming presumably in Vancouver mm-hmm. where... I'm assuming we're more likely to find a Tim Hortons. Yes, I believe so. Did I tell you I almost got tackled through a webcam by a Canadian that I admitted that we had a a Tim Hortons and I called it Timmy Ho's in her presence? Yes, I have heard this story. I'm not going to apologize. It'll be Timmy Ho's forever. Yeah. Bite me. I don't know. Or email us. (laughs) Manny is whispering something to Dutch. But Dutch kind of just flies him off and he's like, dude, I'm ready to fly. Sean clocks psychically (laughs) that uh, there's something wrong with the stitching on part of the suit. He's getting ready to jump and Sean's like, no, and essentially tackles him to try to stop him from making the jump and they fall off the roof. Oh my God. So, (laughs) so everybody runs and looks over and they're like clinging on for dear life and they get pulled back up to safety, mostly by Gus, actually. Grab my hand, Sean, grab my hand. And um, Sean gets pummeled by Vicky first, who's like, you could have killed my husband, you idiot. But Sean challenges Dutch to raise his arms like he would right in the middle of the stunt. Dutch is like, no, I'm not. I don't. What does he say? I don't take orders from no nimrods like you. Vicky, though, is like, do it. Because um, she's the wife who wears the pants, and I get that. Do it. <laughs> Show us. Dutch spreads out his arms on his gliding suit, and it rips. Sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the trailer with Dutch, Vicky, Lewis, Red, Sean, and Gus. They kind of reveal that they are psychics and not diehard stunt coordinator tester people. Dutch is very upset because he does not want to be mixed up in that voodoo dark magic stuff. (laughs) But Sean says, um, you know, people have been tampering with your stuff. You've been sabotaged. You keep almost dying. And Dutch says, boy, almost dying is just part of the line of work. Almost dying is par for the course in my line of work. And he says, the suit didn't rip because it was tampered with. It ripped because I bought it in 1977 during the, what does he call it? The flight suit boom. (laughs) Because I bought it during the gliding suit boom of 1977. And that fall wouldn't have killed me. One time I jumped out a blimp 500 feet in the sky, had a heart attack on the way down. Two hours later, I was eating a BLT and a Red Robin. True story. Wow. This man mm-hmm. has terrible stories. But they're true. Uh, <laughs> then they fire. Then Dutch fires Sean and Gus. Oh, yeah. Oh, they fired. He kindly asks Red to... He doesn't so kindly. He tells Red to, to kick him out of the trailer. And while Red is kicking them out, Sean notices that Red has a tattoo on his arm. This is Vikings. But the first couple of letters in Vikings look a little bit different from the rest of the word. I guess it's worth pointing out now that Vicky in this situation is spelled V-I-K-I. We go out to where Jules and Lasseter are sitting in a car on a stakeout. Stakeout. Lasseter very much likes stakeouts. And Juliet is like, um, so why did you wear the burgundy turtleneck? I like you in the burgundy turtleneck and short hair and some cologne. Yeah. 
Wouldn't hurt you. Lassiter's like, it is perfectly normal for a junior officer to develop feelings for her superior, someone she feels is a mentor. Oh, no, 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 no. Ew. Ew. Not what is happening here. She ends up telling Lassie that Vic ordered her to find him a girlfriend. But don't worry, because she has a friend that he can meet later who likes cops. He said, this is a total invasion of privacy. So what that I sleep alone? So what if I saw a frozen dinner in half before I microwave it every night? So what if I've thought about planting evidence on my wife's new boyfriend? I may need your help. That's all I want to do. Juliet's ready to make a phone call, but she can't find any signal. So she's like, hey, I gotta go find signal. But when I come back, I'll tell you about my super cool friend who likes cops. In the psych office, Goss is like, why didn't you just tell them that it was Manny? And Sean said, dude, it wasn't Manny. Right before that jump, he whispered into his ear that he didn't want him to wear that gliding suit, but wanted him to wear the black one because it's more slimming. And then he said, purple camo lawnmower man. Lawnmower man is a movie that the actor who plays Dutch the Clutch was in. Oh, for real? Yeah. I was just thinking in this first in this first introduction to him, he for sure looks like uh, uh, he's got the rosy apple cheeks of a Coca-Cola Santa Claus. <laughs> Sean leaves the refrigerator door open and Gus said, you're wasting energy, Sean. Do you see solar panels up in here? There was no reason for that scene, but. I liked it, so I quoted it. We are back at the arena, home, home base area, and Lewis is sneaking the boys in. He needs them to be extra quiet and stay, you know, stay low. Because if dad finds them, he's going to be in so much trouble for letting them back in. Yeah. Low key. We can be low key. Like Aldo Nova fans. We'll be as non-existent as the Aldo Nova fans. <laughs> when we looked him up, he's a Canadian guitarist, and he had like... A really popular album and a, a really popular single and like, I, I don't think it's non-existent, but it's definitely niche. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't say that I was an Aldo Nova fan, but like the song you played, I enjoyed and I've heard it before. <laughs> yeah. They are looking for Red because of his tattoo. They think that he likely was dating Vicky, the wife, before wife got with Dutch and then he had a new tattoo artist add the NGS to Vikings for his tattoo. He's trying to eliminate the com competition. They see Red with a bike and he's ready to go. He's ready to, to, he's like pushing it up. And Gus said, let me go first. I'm more stealthy. Stealthy again. All I have here is jackal. <laughs> uh, I'm as graceful as a gazelle, Sean. I'm a jackal. And then there's this whole thing about how jackals are not stealthy. And they're like psychotic feral badger creatures <laughs> but while they're having this conversation they're using a candy dispenser like a like a machine candy dispenser to dispense snackies of some sort and like share them while they're eating it's so absurd there again no reason for it <laughs> so they see red get something out of a cabinet and he's carrying something and they're like what is that a bomb is he gonna strap it to one of the bikes but he takes it into a different room. And so they kind of follow him and they peek through the window. And he is giving some sort of intravenous treatment to Dutch the Clutch. And we hear Dutch say, man, let's just get this over with. Sean is able to figure out what the medication is and asks, you know, his pharmaceutical salesman friend 
uh, what the what the medication gemcitabine and kappa capacitabine. Oh, very nice. Gus said that is likely treatment for pancreatic cancer, which is kind of one of the worst cancers. It's got a really bleak prognosis, and it means that Dutch is dying. They head back on another little walk and talk, and they're like, who would be trying to kill him if they think he's already dying? But maybe they don't know. Like, nobody seems to know, right? Sean is like, I need to find that will. The will that supposedly doesn't exist. So we go to the trailer. They're like looking around trying to find something, and Sean sees a misplaced tile on the floor. Yeah, there's just like a hairline crack in the grout line of these like vinyl tiles of the trailer. And he pulls out his handy Swiss Army knife. Now, I have to say that. And I want everyone to stick a big old pin in that. Because really, really later on, we're going to find out more about the Swiss Army knife. But it's going to take a while. But remember it. I don't remember this. I'm very excited. Put it in, put it in your brains, Kay. We'll get to it. Put, put it in my brains. My multiple brains. Yes. They found something underneath that wobbly tile. And it's not a will but it's a life insurance policy. So they're going through it, and Sean's no good with legalese. Um, remind me who set up our 401ks. We don't have 401ks because India doesn't have that form, Sean. We have 601ks. Sean is trying to tell Gus to, like, come on, read it, tell me what it said. And Gus said, I don't rush you when you're doing your whole psychic this, psychic that thing. <laughs> you always do. And then you usually elbow me in the ribs, which is like a chocolate harpoon. <laughs> so our boys are acting like siblings and Gus is like, this is really weird. It, it says that it says that nothing happens with the life insurance if he dies of natural causes. And Sean says, isn't that weird for a guy in this dangerous line of work? But Gus points out that it's a really unique indemnity clause. There's only a payout if he dies on the job, like during a stunt. In that case, the payout is $1.2 million. And the beneficiaries are his wife and his son. Sean just kind of drops his head and said, Gus, I know who the killer is. Yeah, I know who's trying to kill this guy. We go back to the arena. It's a packed stadium. And Sean is standing alone in a backstage warehouse area. Dutch is on his way out to, to do his stunt. And we hear the announcer say that it is his most dangerous stunt ever. Sean stops him on his way out and he's like, I have to apologize. All this time, I thought you were the kid who shot milk out of his eyes. You know, willing to do just about anything for attention. But I was wrong. You're all about family, aren't you, Dutch? The next part I have is insurance, like, for them. And you made sure that if you had a clause that meant they would only get paid if you died on the job, you were going to make that happen. Sean sensed a dark, a dark circle around him. He has some sort of terminal illness. And so he's been sabotaging his own stunts to try to 1144 himself so that he can get that life insurance policy for his family. But the yeah. sabotage didn't work because he really kind of is unkillable. In the split second decision making moments, his instincts kick in and he just, it is never that bad because he compensates enough. 
Sean gets real deep and he's like, I know this is your last stunt for a while and I know that's my fault. So I'm sure that this one's going to be foolproof. And I won't stop you and I won't say anything. I give you my word. Let me leave you with this, Dutch. It doesn't take a psychic to see how much people love you. Your son came to me and hired a psychic against his better judgment to keep you alive. You go to your son or your wife or anyone on your crew for that matter, and you ask them which they'd rather have. Six more months with you or a million dollars. And you know darn well what they'll answer, and they won't have to think about it for a second. True story. (laughs) And Dutch says, you're wrong. And then he does something to his bike that we can't see. And he says, I was that kid in class who shot milk at my eyes. And I was damn good. He drives off to do his stunt. And all we hear is the announcer. We do see Dutch kind of getting ready for his his stunt. But then we head back to Sean and Sean's face is just pure sadness. It's pure, I can't bear to hope. Mm Mm-hmm. The lights are flashing. We hear that Dutch has jo- gone for his jump and he did it. He did it, everyone. Perfect landing. And he takes a victory lap around the stadium. Okay, before we go on, I have to tell you something. And it sounds like maybe you were here with me too. But I have watched this episode so many times. And to this moment, well, until this last viewing, I had always assumed when Dutch was adjusting whatever it was with his bike, he was still trying to sabotage himself, but his instincts kicked in. But it dawned on me this time that he had already sabotaged his bike and he was fixing it before he went to do his jump. But after six, six watches, Kaylee, it took me six watches to get that. <laughs> We're much older and wiser now. <laughs> oh my goodness. There was also a moment that we skipped over after Sean gave his word that he wouldn't say anything no matter what the outcome. Um, when they did this sort of man hand hug grip thing. Yeah. It wasn't like a fist bump. It wasn't a handshake. It was like a, a, a yeah. palm to palm wraparound. <laughs> like the, the symbol at which you would make if you were doing a like a arm wrestling, but yeah. like manly and like loving. Like a, yeah, like a, like a hand hug. I, it's the beginning of a bro hug. It just never, it just never finishes with the, the hand yeah. around the back. Yeah. My first viewing, I was like, okay, I got all this. And then my second viewing during this part, I was like, I can't believe there's another scene after this. How dare they? Yeah. But once I had watched it all again, I was like, oh no, we needed the levity. Like this show doesn't end on that tone. Yeah. They were, they were definitely trying to give us like a, a humor sandwich for such kind of a deep moment. Mm-hmm. So that's our final it still, scene. It still lands. We like that. Juliet comes back to the car and she has coffee because she's a good partner. And her face is, what the f- <laughs> And she walks up and she's like, um, Lassiter, what's going on? Um, I'm here talking to your friend Blair. Yeah, he's laughing and giggling and chatting with some lady in the car all of a sudden. It's very obvious that he quite likes her. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) Juliet says, nope, uh, she's not my friend. I don't invite my friends on dangerous stakeouts, but I do know her. She's a professional. Lassiter's face goes blank and then looks at Blair and said, please tell me you're a hitman. And Blair just kind of flicks her hands like, are we doing this or what? They pull out their badges. She promptly gets up and leaves the car. Well, she very coolly goes, I gotta go. 
and just gets up and leaves. She doesn't like rush or anything. And I was yeah. like, mm, this feels like <laughs> unrealistic, but. The episode ends with Lassiter screaming. So I guess we're not on for Saturday night, huh? I, I gotta say, of of all of the sex worker appearances that we could have seen in like a, like a cop situation, this one was fairly tame. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if people would be offended. Like, she is a professional. She's working. <laughs> and I mean, they're not vice. They're, they're not, they're not trying to get her. No, they're there for another reason on their stakeout right. or whatever. And honestly, like, big picture, if she was a sex worker who was regularly around that area, she could be like Probably a CI. Witness. Yeah. 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 I also think I don't hear much discourse about calling sex workers professionals. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it's one of the better um, other names given for the profession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was a really, that was a good, a good, now obviously it led up to the hitman joke, but it was still, <laughs> Which a, I love. Yeah, it was still a better word than to be like, or even just to say she's a pro. Um, yeah. Like that's to say she's a professional was kind of a nice way of, of saying it. And it created a joke. So I love it. Yes, very much so. Um, and that's the actual end. It it ends with like a little, um, don't worry, we're still funny. Yeah. But like it was a happy ending in the in the in the deep scene too. I think that uh, as we were talking about like earlier, maybe Dutch just needed someone to say to him, like, you matter, you are loved, you are cared for. And Sean did it very dramatically and in a way that made him laugh because he ended it with true story. But for that reason, it's, oh. It's also, I want to say, feeds into this toxic idea that he's all his family has and it's his responsibility to provide for them. And it, just internalizing all of that pressure and and realizing that not only am I facing my own mortality right now, but I'm not going to be doing my job if I, if I just pass on from this illness that I'm battling. So I just think like him getting, getting some sense talked into him by a, by a third party (laughs) who just says, man, I see what's happening. And I got to tell (laughs) you, I think that's a good reminder to us all like to remind the people that we love, that they are loved and to remind the people who like need a smile that they can get a smile and this is a really good a really good moment. Um, Kaylee and I are recording this pre-holidays. I know it won't post until post-holidays, but especially this time of the year, like we can often get so caught up in just the chaos of it all and the commercialism of it all, and we kind of forget to tell people that they matter. Um, and it can be a really hard time for a lot of people. So this is a good, you know, post-holiday blues, pre-holiday reminder for Kaylee and I that like, People are people matter, and that we are always better to show our love and help for one another. So, Kaylee, I love you. I love you. This was good. Sorry, that got kind of heavy. It just it just all landed on me real fast. Yeah, it's the it's the antihuga of it all that that makes us really grateful for those cozy moments when we actually get to be surrounded by the people that we love and like just be like, okay, gotta cherish this because this is the point, not all the chaos leading up to this and the presence and the 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 stress of the work and the getting the time off and doing the cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so now that we've landed on a weird note, 
shall we <laughs> shall we call that an episode, Kaylee? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call that. And um <laughs> I've been Kaylee and Oh piss, ain't nobody telling me I can't do anything no more. I think that was the worst English I've ever heard. I'm Alexis, and this has been To the Blueberry. Psych out. <laughs>